Hello everybody and welcome to episode 190, part 2. Once again, apologies on my end for the two separate portions of the episodes. Uh, scheduling issues again, it was a long day for me at work and things just didn't align with myself and Evan's schedules. But uh, this week I'm not alone, thankfully for you guys, because last week was kind of awkward in my opinion, but um, appreciate the support from you guys listening right away. I am joined by Zach, who I mentioned in last week's episode that I wanted to get him on here, but he went away, and now he's back, and for the first time in a few months, I think now, Zach, you're making your uh, appearance felt again on the show. Yeah, I gotta get back in here at least one more time before the end of the year. Yeah, I would definitely say the 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 final episode of predictions before week 38. So... Um, Record-wise, though, Zach is still leading the pack in the weekly uh, competition. I guess we have amongst ourselves. I once again make up the bottom, three and seven. Evan four and six, and Zach salvaged a five and five week. So uh, I'm not going to say the overall records until we're done, just to I guess keep suspense. But how are you feeling so far with these pickups? And I really ask because you've been pretty positive every week so far. Is there a secret I'm, behind it? I just, I mean, it's really going with my gut. I try not to overthink it too much. If I get uh, caught up on a game too long, I usually just default to the home team or whoever's got better form. Yeah, it seems like um, ever since Boz came on, I've really struggled on these picks. That was what was that eight game weeks ago he came on and ever since i've only had one positive week so boz gave me some bad juju i don't know but i might need to have to i might have to start doing what you do that um but yeah, it's, don't really overthink it yeah so uh speaking of teams that overthink it we saw a lot of weird results this weekend a lot of high scoring games the three monday games were scorchers i think they said 21 goals in total on the Monday, which is incredible, especially with all these teams being in the bottom half of the table uh, besides uh, Brighton. So I guess let's get right into it, Zach. You ready? Yeah. All right. First game, a shocker, Chelsea. Their first win with Frank Lampard. 3-1 win over Bournemouth. Goals coming from Gallagher, Batty Ashiel, his first, and Joao Felix. Uh, and Mateus Vigna getting the lone goal for Bournemouth. Uh, what, what were your initial thoughts here, Zach? Did you see any of the game? Did you just watch the highlights? Uh, I saw the highlights on this one. I mean, in terms of my prediction, I went with Bournemouth. My yeah, like strat the rest of us. Was, I was just going to pick against Chelsea till they eventually won. Uh, I mean, Bournemouth, I don't know about their home record this year, but it, I don't think it's been too great since they're towards the bottom of the table. They had a great team goal I saw on their end, but Chelsea just... Uh, proved to be too much they got frustrated with themselves they figured all right boys let's let's bag a few goals finally and uh let's show that we deserve at least some of the money we're getting paid yeah the lineup was great to see we saw mudrick and Matoweke both start uh, alongside havertz yeah i know you've been waiting to see more mudrick yeah uh obviously he's not there yet i think now that we've clinched safety mathematically and there's no more talks of that we skewed away from the 007 talks 
Uh, for those that don't know, that's zero wins, zero draws, and seven defeats straight. So we avoided that because we were on a six-game losing streak. Um, and yeah, I mean, the guys looked more free playing. Uh, we saw when, when Frank made his substitutions here, they had an impact. And surprisingly, we had Ziek and Sterling come on later on in the game and made an instant impact. And they both were booed coming on as well. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, from listening back to or re-watching the game fans were booing them coming on and obviously Ziek, a guy that was one fax uh, away from leaving in, the, in January and Sterling who's, I think we can all agree had a very disappointing opening year in London uh, it was the right approach I guess from the fans and the best thing was they responded well to it, both getting assists on the day, on the second and third goal so um, what do you think the rest of the season looks for Chelsea going forward. They, they still have to play three of the top four teams, and then obviously this weekend we have Forest. What do you think a, a best-case scenario would be? They got nothing to lose, really. They're, they're already looking at the worst finish in one of the worst finishes in the club's history, so they they have nothing to lose. So just go, go out and disrupt the rest of the table because I know they still got to play uh, City United and Chelsea and uh, we gonna, are Chelsea or City United and uh, Newcastle yeah. my bad yeah <laughs> I was reading the the teams on the left they're away the, the it's two of the last three and then they're home for the last one I read them because they're on the left side yeah but yeah I mean they, they got some tough teams to play up against so yeah nothing to lose really yeah. Yeah, they're saying and, this is going to be... The those same. teams are generally the scariest, I think. Yeah, of course. They're all fighting to finish at the highest end. And United now, we'll get to them later, but they've been slipping a little bit. Newcastle as well. Um, yeah, they're saying this is going to be the worst scoring season ever, I think, in close to 100 years for Chelsea. Uh, there you go. One of the lowest scoring seasons ever. But our defense holds up. We still have the... Was that joint third best defense in the league? tied with Arsenal so we know where our problems lie uh, I think we need to secure Poch he finally needs to be announced and then we can move forward with signings and who needs to leave and not everybody's going to leave instantly due to not wanting to take massive pay cuts obviously they're getting absorbent pay at our club and not many other clubs especially outside of England are going to pay them that so um, yeah moving on to Bournemouth what do you think for Bournemouth now they're, they're officially safe they're not officially safe, but 99% they're safe. Maybe one more point, and then they're locked it in. How do you think the back end of the season's been for them and and the turnaround with Gary O'Neill? Yeah, it's it's been a good turnaround. They've, they've gotten some solid results this season. I know the one game uh, earlier this year, they took Arsenal all the way to the last kick of the game, yeah. and they've, they've shown promise, and they've shown that they got, uh, Big they got something to build on. Yeah, big win over Spurs as well. They still got Palace, United, and Everton to play. I think they get at least one win from those three. Yeah, they end the year against Everton too, which could um, decide if Everton go down or not. So they might still play spoilers. Um, yes, solid uh, foundation to build upon, I would say, for Bournemouth. Yeah, we're still in a. There's still a chance that all three newly promoted teams stay up. There's a good chance for that. The only one that's in danger is Forest at the moment. So. Um, moving on to a team that's definitely in the thick of it. Leeds lose one, lose to Man City two one. Um, 
I did that last week. I started with the losing team. I said Fulham lost was nil one for some reason. So Man City two one, Gundogan with a brace, Rodrigo getting a late one. Uh, the main storyline, I don't know if you caught, was uh, it's two nil. There's a penalty given in the eightieth yeah. eightieth yeah, something minute. Erling Holland is the club penalty taker. Um, to get himself on the score sheet, he decides to hand it off to Gundogan for his hat trick, and his shot is saved. And instantly, Rodrigo goes up the other end, excuse me, and, gri- and grabs one to make the remainder of the game scary for, on a Man City's perspective. Um, what did you think of that decision on Holland's point? And would you have done the same thing if you were the pen taker? Would you have given it to some your teammate that's on two goals? Or would you keep that for yourself because you're the pen taker? I mean, I would do whatever the boss wanted me to do. So you uh, take it. So I guess that means I would I would have taken it, I guess. But, I mean, I see why he did it. He was being a gentleman. Uh, but, you know, you're getting paid a lot of money. It's uh, You're trying to win the league. So that might not have been the right decision. And it, in hindsight, it wasn't. Yeah, and yeah. I was upset because he's on my fantasy team, and uh, I would have liked him to score. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty interesting. It just goes to show you how comfortable he is at the club to be able to just make that decision, uh, regardless of what uh, what Pep what Pep thinks. Yeah, because I was listening to a podcast today. I mentioned it. We've talked on it here about it before with Evan. Um, Callum Wilson and Mikel Antonio have a podcast together. They do um, strikers in the Prem for West Ham and Newcastle, respectively. Uh, they talked about this, and they were kind of split on it. Mikel Antonio took the stance of it's an unspoken rule amongst players that if a guy's on for a hat trick, you give it to him. He said he would have. And on Wilson's end, getting the... The stereotypical striker answer, he's going to take it regardless of the situation because he's the guy. And right. Obviously, as a striker, you're pretty much the most selfish guy. On the, you should be the most selfish guy on the field. And for a guy like Holland, who's 22 years old, but has scored over 50 goals in his first season for Man City and could really extend that, that record in the Prem, obviously that's a record that we might not ever see broken in our lifetimes um, again he could extend that to 40 and then he missed an opportunity to get an easy one. So I don't know if I was him, I would have taken it. It's a nice gesture and all, but at the end of the day, you're the guy that was brought in to score goals and you should take every opportunity to get it, get an extra one on the sheet. Agreed. Um, obviously city keep their lead in first 82 points, one above Arsenal with a game in hand. Um, what do you think about Leeds here? This is Big Sam's first game in charge. Did you see a difference? Obviously, they only let up two goals to Man City, which in the past they've been opened up for five or six. Do you think he made an instant impact? And moving forward, he has an opportunity to keep them up? Yeah, I think there was a big structural change. He, he changed the lineup a bit, I, I believe, as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you had Adam Forshaw yeah, there were, in there. He went with a more were. defensive guy in there instead of Aronson. Yeah, the the main changes were at the the central, the center of the park, right, the heart of the team, uh, and I think that's what need, Leeds needs a strong spine because they've given up a, a lot of goals historically in the Prem as of recent. So, I think instant impact only giving up two on City is massive, and bagging one for yourself as well. So, 
their last three games, they got Newcastle, West Ham, and Spurs. I think they do some damage on West Ham. They got two more games at home, Newcastle and Spurs. So, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think instant impact, regardless of the uh, the result. Leeds fans were were happy with them. Yeah, the the number one lineup change you mentioned they made a bunch was the goalkeeper change. Joe Robles and the goalkeeper, comes yeah. in. Uh, worked with Big Sam at Everton for a while. Tim Tim Howard and the broadcasting team for NBC was saying that um he's obviously worked with him during his time at Everton and they ha- they have that rapport. He was saying him and Big Sam, so he has that familiarity with him. And Meslier has had a a very very critical season, uh, making a lot of errors, and he's still young. He's only like twenty two, twenty three, and he's already made a hundred Premier League appearances for for Leeds. So he's a guy long term, but. He's having a really bad season, and making that change is massive going forward with a new manager. So, um, how many points do you think keeps them up? They have 30 now. The cutoff is 32. We already talked about the teams. Excuse me again. The teams they have to play. You mentioned Newcastle. Uh, what was it? West Ham and Spurs? Correct. So, how many points do you think they have to pick up to be safe? At least four, right? Yeah, at least four. They got to get a win in there. I think they will get a win in there. So obviously, I would you would you would think they they'd get those points at home. I would say they need a point against Newcastle and a and a win against West Ham, right? And then whatever they can pick up against Spurs. Yeah, exactly. That. In an ideal world, so I think we'll see a difference this Saturday. That's the first game on Saturday as well, the early game. So we'll see instantly what Big Sam's been cooking up. Um, you weren't on here last week as well, and then we'll move on. But what do you think about Big Sam's comments about him saying he's with those names of Pep, Klopp, uh, the top-end managers in the world? Like, he puts himself at that level. Do you agree with that, or do you think that's just him taking the media attention away from the players and putting it on him? Uh, I mean, he's definitely got a big ego. He's he's no stranger to the Premier League, given that. Uh he's definitely a household name in terms of Premier League managers and he's the guy to go to if your club's struggling that's why the Leeds offered him such a large sum of money I'm sure you got the figures pulled up or know them or or have them somewhere but I mean in terms of uh, silverware he's not there but in terms of uh, he was brought in to save him that's his reputation saving yeah he, he's more notable at the other end of the table, which is arguably uh, just as important. Yeah, they've talked about the ideas of how he gets defenders to um, listening to the two Robbies. They were saying he used to, instead of certain um, areas to drop back to for defenders at the game, they would he would tell guys to drop back to the Barclays boards or move up to the Lucas Aid section and if you get far as far back as the Sony boards, you're too deep. Like these types of things for the defenders to have better communication skills and understand where they need to be at certain times. So I think he's got the right mentality and definitely can keep them up. And I think we can agree Leeds is a team that we want to stay up and definitely needs to be in the prem. But one of these big clubs that we, we like a lot to watch is definitely going to go down. Um... Moving on to Spurs getting a 1-0 win over Palace. Um, Spurs getting back on the win train after a four-game uh, winless streak uh, Most after that, that loss to Liverpool 
and the dying embers being a palace side that's been really has reemerged under Roy Hodgson, which a lot of people didn't see coming and a Harry Kane goal in the 46th minute with the decider here. We saw some lineup changes, massive change that a lot of people definitely would agree with is Eric Dyer started on the bench. Uh, Long leg came back in the team. Uh, and then everybody else is pretty much the same. Uh, or Sorry, Perisic was on the bench as well. He didn't play in this game. We saw Ben Davies move back to that left wing back role, which he really did well at the start of the season. So, um, what do you, what have you thought of Spurs so far under Ryan Mason since he took charge a couple weeks ago? Shaky, uh, beatable, not world beaters, definitely not. Need they need uh need a lot of work. I think they need a proper manager in there. I don't think Ryan Mason is uh, is the guy. He's definitely just caretaker at this point, getting the job done. How I mean, one nail over Palace isn't that notable, I would say. Yeah, but uh, keeping a clean sheet and uh, a mid beating a mid table team that's been definitely on the up and up. You think it's a step in the right direction, right? Yeah, it's definitely not a bad thing. Well, um, on Palace's end, I mentioned last week that uh, in Zaha's first game back, he didn't really have too big of a. Well, he had a big impact. Obviously, he's a big presence and uh, has a big ego in the game. Uh, definitely a face in this league, but he was subbed off late and kind of put up a fit and made it very obvious to the camera that he was upset. Uh, what do you think about his future with the club? His contract expires this summer. He's 30 years old. We know the modern day with sports science. Players can play into their late 30s. Um, he's got maybe one big contract left in him before teams really shut off, shut off from him. Do you think he should stay at Palace, or do you think he takes on a new challenge? And I guess, could he leave England? Or is he an England guy through and through? Uh, I mean, I don't know him personally, but if he's able to, I would say he's. I mean, just watching his game, he's been with Palace for so long. He used to be a United guy in his youth, and then left. I mean, he's built Palace so long. uh, I would assume he would stay if they offer him a a nice new contract, which I think they will, unless they they have someone else in their sights to sign in the summer. Do you think he could go to a top six club and be more of a? second or third fiddle to one of the main stars or you think he he has to be the main guy i mean that's ultimately up to him if he goes to a top six club he's definitely going to be a second choice guy because that's my opinion though yeah he's the highest paid guy he's the highest paid guy in the team by by a, a quite a big margin so yeah I don't know. I think he definitely stays there. I don't see why he would leave. He's the big dog there. Um, And the last thing, I guess, before we move on, for me, I see this connection between Tottenham and Chelsea. They play similar formations um, mostly this year we have, and we've had the same kind of troubles this year where uh, we let games slip away or we can't get a hold on things. Do you see any sort of comparisons between the two teams? And what do you think really sets them apart? Because obviously Tottenham have 15 more points than Chelsea. So there's obviously something different in there. 
um, but hope that give them a little bit of an edge over uh, Chelsea with all their un- misdoings. Yeah, it's their striker, and his name is Harry Kane. That's the difference. Yeah. Is that it? Is that the only difference, or do you think there's like a, a culture I'm sure difference? I'm oh, sure there's cultural difference. There's more intricacies, but uh, long story short, it's it's Harry Kane. And uh, and I think uh, that answers the culture question as well. I think the the culture at Tottenham Hotspur is also Harry Kane. Yeah, even I mean, he's had Son to bail him out too in the past, but yeah, Son's great too. Don't get me wrong, but Kane's the guy. Harry, That's the difference maker right there. Yeah. If Erling Holland's not in the league right now, he's the top scorer with 26, six above Tony. Oh, yeah. and he's still I, having a great year. Yeah, he's, he's having a, one of his best years. I don't know how many times he's gotten 30 goals. He definitely can with, what do they have, three games left. He can definitely get four goals before the end with the teams they play. We mentioned they play uh, Leeds. They got Villa and Brentford. So he can definitely get four goals within that time. So, um and then he only has a year left on his contract. Do you think he stays or do you think he finally leaves? And where to, if you had to guess? If he goes anywhere, I think he's staying in the Prem. Yeah. He's at, but he's, I likely... He, I, think, I, think he's, I think he's 50 goals away from Shear. Likely answer is he stays at Tottenham. I mean, he, he grew up there at the club. He loves the club. So, <laughs> just like Zaha, I don't know. Uh, I don't see why he'd leave other than for a big contract. But even then... I think he's uh, he's proven that he'll stay. You think over the ten? <clears throat> you think over the ten plus years he's been there, they'd never won anything with him there. The closest they got was a Champions League final, lost to Liverpool, and came in second place to a Leicester City team that had an incredible year. You don't think he would go somewhere to have a better chance for a trophy? Or do you think he's that loyal that he's willing to go his whole career without a trophy just to get individual accolades? He's shown that he's loyal, so I don't I don't see why uh, he wouldn't continue to be. Yeah, I don't see him leaving either personally. I don't. I think he's so so rooted in London, like he wouldn't want to move his family. And if he did, he would play in London. But everybody in London's a rival, and the only two clubs he would go to at a similar level are Chelsea and, right. and Arsenal. And that would never happen. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. A lot of crazier things have happened. We've seen Messi leave Barcelona. Uh, we saw the Ronaldo saga. We've seen Neymar. I mean, there's been high-profile guys that magically leave um, when nobody thought they would. So, jumping off that train, we've been there a while. We go on to uh, a West Midlands derby, I think it was. Wolves beating Villa 1-0. Lopetegui getting his 10th clean sheet of the season with a Wolves side that a lot of people kind of forget about. They're just in the background, really, just... Uh, floating in that middle of the area. They're officially safe. Uh, beating a, a Villa team that the last two games have lost 1-0, uh, that other one being the United. They drop further back outside that Europa League where Una Emery loves to finish. They're three points out from that behind Tottenham. Um, talking for Wolves first, they get the lone goal came on for Totti on a corner kick, powerful header, bar down, looked great. Other than that, nothing really happened. Villa couldn't get the job done. They had more shots, more possession, uh, and more total chances. Six on target to Wolves' two. Um, But that's understandable. We know Wolves really struggles to create chances, but they can definitely lock it down. And Villa just couldn't find that right key to unlock the door uh, into that Villa net. So what do you think for for Wolves first 
and um, their season so far since the last time you've been on. What do you think uh, since the Lopetegui era has started uh, post-World Cup? Uh, I think Lopetegui's done a pretty solid job with the team. Uh, I mean, he's got a lot of all the all those Portuguese guys in there, so I mean, it's not hard to get them all to get everyone on the same page. Uh, I would assume. Pretty stout at home. I mean, they slow games down when they're in control. They, I think, they do a pretty solid job at, at running the show. Uh, and put it on display here. Taking Villa down one 0 holding Ali to Ali Watkins to no goals is pretty was pretty solid. So yeah, I think he's doing a pretty good job. And just like uh, Bournemouth, he's got a he's got a good foundation to go off of and look to do better next year. Yeah, definitely. They had that moment um, before when uh, Bruno Lodge was there. They really, really struggled to score goals, just as bad as Chelsea this year. And when they made that change, there was a lot of questions. They were in that relegation zone, and Lopetegui came in and cleaned it up. Um, a team that was also in the relegation zone prior to Una Emery being there. Villa was really down in the dumps, and since he's come, he's been a massive, massive revelation. He hasn't brought in anybody besides Alex Marino into this team from January since he's joined and climbed them up the table. I already mentioned they're fighting for a European spot, and it's looking like they could definitely get the job done, but uh, two straight losses really dampers that, and um, I think one more bad result kind of eliminates them from that picture, so... Uh, same question since Unai's come in what do you what have you thought of them and any key guys you've seen that you liked at Villa you mean yeah um I mean he, he's got Ollie Watkins on great form after he was off to a bad start uh I want to see more of Leon Bailey I know he was hurt earlier this year but yeah he 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 uh he does well in bursts on the field they still got Coutinho in the squad. He's getting a bit older, no. though. At- Una, he's he's like, since Unai's come in, he's been excluded. Like, Buendia has yeah. fully taken that role from him. But he was just there because like, of Gerrard. They got Ashley Young in, in the team a lot more, which yeah. is... Good, what do you think about that? Him, 38 years old? Good him playing late into his career. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of subs. He keeps the team fresh. Uh yeah, I think they got a pretty, pretty, pretty solid squad. They get everyone a, a good bit of minutes. Yeah, the issue that, with Bailey, that he likes to play. The issue with Bailey is, I've watched with Unai there. They play really narrow. He likes playing a lot of central midfielders. Um, that that narrow diamond midfield with Buendia, Ramsey, Luis, and McGinn mainly. Uh, he's recently started bringing in Bertrand Traore into the team. He scored a pair of goals and. Um, occasional starts here and there and Bailey comes in for him so I don't really know where wide players fit in this team they dedicated their full support behind Watkins after that January move of Ings to West Ham so they're all in on him and it's proven to be successful and moving forward it'll be interesting to see if they can keep him or if uh, he gets lured away um, to a bigger club potentially but they definitely have a nice project going forward and uh, Diego Carlos is back after that torn ACL in August when he first came to the league, coming from Sevilla. So he's finally back in the mix, and we could definitely see him get some some playing time before the end of the season. So um, both sides, both clubs are looking in the right direction. Are definitely going to be here in the next in the fall. 
Uh, last game on the Saturday sheet, on the Saturday slate, we had Liverpool getting a 1-0 win over Brentford. Tight game, but Mo Salah goal assisted by Van Dijk was the decider. Uh, we did see Nunes start with Jota, um, so, and Cody Gakpo was in the midfield. So we saw four out of the five of those main attacking guys they have to offer in Liverpool's case get a start. Gakpo in a more 10-8 role behind the attackers. What did you think of this Liverpool performance? And what have you thought of Trent being a central midfielder now? What do you think that change has meant for this team's success? Uh, clean sheet at home. That's good. Liverpool keeps getting results at home. Toughest place to play in England. Uh, up right up there with the, the Etihad, Man City. Uh, yeah, I like seeing Trent in the midfield because, I mean, realizing over the last season uh, or two, they're like, well, he struggles at defense, so let's take him out of the defense. I mean, it, it just makes sense to me. And his di distribution is excellent, so him being in the midfield just opens him up to even more assists and chance creation. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer looking at it uh, in that sense. And then, like you said, they got Gakpo uh, helping out in the midfield as well. I mean, my... My stance with Liverpool has been uh, that once since they lost Genie uh, Vinaldum, they haven't had a proper number ten in the squad. So ever since he's been gone, they've been trying to fill that that role desperately, and I think that's the main thing they're missing, uh, at least in terms of the attack and midfield structure. Yeah, a lot of these teams are missing that goal scoring threat from the central midfielder. We've seen Curtis Jones every once in a while get a goal. Henderson not really. Milner's on his way out to Brighton. All, all uh, rumors point towards, and Tiago's a fitness liability, and Fabinho's your more six, but he's not really there. So dropping Gakpo in there potentially in the future, as well as pushing Trent in there, might save you hundreds of millions of pounds in the market and maybe have them focus elsewhere. So potentially a new right back, uh, maybe a new center back as well if they want the attacking end. They're pretty much fine, so... I think they can really lock things up in the future and could potentially come back next year ready to get that top four finish and title chase, which everybody thought they would this year. They thought they'd be an Arsenal situation, but they they haven't. They've had a really bad down year. Um, on the other end, Brentford, a top 10 finish, almost certain to be locked in with a good result this weekend would secure that. Um, didn't get anything here, but... They've been pretty successful, and maybe maybe they're in the mindset of they're at the beach since they've locked things up so far. What do you think of them so far with Tony? Uh, Tony's been their guy, and he continues to prove it. I mean, not not this week uh, clearly, but you know they they got a great structure there. The manager, they love him. The, the team all, all links up well together. Finishing top half is always is always good. I mean, they're right at the. Yeah, they've secured top 10. Yeah. So uh, next up for them is fighting for a spot in Europe. Yeah, definitely. They, they still have a very slim chance, but they could still finish in seventh and get in your, in the conference league. But um, I did hear they have the, they have the smallest budget this year to, to manage Thomas Frank did. And obviously he's been successful with their signings. They've been pretty particular uh, bringing in Ben Mee, a very stout, very secure Premier League defender over all these years with with Burnley. We know him as a lockdown guy alongside Tarkowski. Uh, they bring in a youngster like Aaron Hickey on one of the fullbacks who's been pretty decent. And then obviously keeping the likes of Tony in the team, which 
um, following along the lines of Watkins and Kane, high-scoring English strikers. Uh, do you think there's a chance that Tony maybe gets lured away to a bigger club? Obviously, all the big teams need one. Man United, Chelsea are two clubs, um, as well as as Tottenham, really, if Harry Kane leaves. So there's definitely an open market there if he chooses to look elsewhere. Yeah, he'll definitely get offers, but they're going to have to be pretty steep to, to learn away from Brentford. I think they got a great, uh, great culture going on now, and I don't think he's going to want to abandon them that easily. Yeah, I don't think he would sell for any less than $90 million. I mean, the, it's so inflated with he's in his prime, he's English, and he's already Premier League proven, so I don't. it's similar to Harry Kane. Like, yeah, and he I takes mean, free kicks on top of that. Yeah, and he's a, he's the set-piece guy. He'd be your pen-taker, obviously. You want your striker. So much value there. He's the best pen-taker in England, obviously, right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Definitely a team that's improved. They joined the league last year, finished, um, I believe, in 15th or something, and then this year they finished 9th. So it's looking like they're growing in the right direction. They do have the most draws this year by far with 14, the next closest being Everton and Newcastle with 11. So they're very competitive, but it seems like they just don't have that that edge to get the results in some of these games if Tony's not firing. Um, obviously, is the number two there, but um, if Tony's not firing, it seems like they're struggling a bit. Um, moving on to the Sunday games, we had Newcastle lose to Arsenal 2-0. Arsenal, or sorry, Newcastle came out hot, uh, shot off the post in the first minute. We had penalty given to Newcastle, but VAR just ruled it out. Um, apparently, it was a handball by Kirior, the, set, the Polish center back, but hit off his thigh and didn't even hit his hand so that was ruled out and then Arsenal go up the other end Odegaard in the 14th from 25 out and then a 71st minute own goal excuse me off Fabian Schaar sealed the deal a very intense match at St. James but this was a big boy win for Arsenal that do keep them in the hunt for the title one point behind City uh, but I already mentioned City had that game in hand on them. So they need a lot of things to go wrong for City. But Arsenal do play better when they're chasing rather than, than holding off uh, people chasing them. So how big of a result is this for Arsenal? Uh, it's it's massive. I mean, it keeps them in the title race. Any, any win is going to be big now. There's only three games left. Yeah, and then for Newcastle, what does this do? A loss at home. I believe this is only their... Um, I'm looking here. This is only their second loss at home all season in the league. Yeah, they've only got five on the year, and that's only second to the two in front of Marcel City with four. So that that hurts hurts the ego a bit. But, I mean, they're still uh, third. They'll likely finish top four, barring uh, any more losses. So got to dust off and finish strong. What do you think of the Isak Wilson ish- Wilson issue at Newcastle? Do you play one and bench the other, and then they come on as a super sub, or do you think there's a world where they can play together like they did here? They both started Isak off on the left. I think they can coexist, and they they've shown that uh, in previous games, at, the, uh, at least uh, watching them play and uh, looking on the outside end. Uh, I don't think there's any ego issues i don't think either of them are, are unhappy with their playing time they're both getting in the squad uh, equally and 
I think Eddie Howe uses them pretty well uh, and has them work pretty well together. Do you think? Uh, do you think Eddie Howe is a top contender for manager of the year? Yeah, without a doubt, Newcastle's had a great year, uh, historic year, fighting for top slot early on. I mean, they've they slipped off with all those draws, but I mean, top three, they finished third. That's that's a great year. He's definitely a contender. And then the last thing before we move on, if you're Newcastle ownership or on the board, uh, is this a summer that you guys go crazy with your spending, or do you still do what they've been doing and tactically pick out who you want? Or is it time for that big splash signing to really get things going? I mean, just keep doing what works. Uh, their scouting has been great. They've put together a good a good roster here, a threatening roster. What do you think a guy like Harry Kane or an Ivan Tony would do into this team? Uh, I don't know if they need another striker, but I mean, getting a, a Harry Kane would be absolutely nuts. But it'd be gutting for Wilson and Isak because that just ruins the, both of their roles. So that's not where they need to improve? Are you where, where was, Where's their number one point where you think they need to invest right away? I mean, they just gotta make sure they have uh, they have enough depth to, to go the length because next year they're gonna be in Europe as well so they're gonna have multiple competitions going on at once. They just gotta make sure everyone is, is healthy and they have the right replacements to come in behind them. I definitely think uh, full back though, probably left back. Getting a proper left back in there. No offense to Dan Byrne. That's my uh, boy. He does not fit the the. Uh, he doesn't fit the, uh, the, the, or, the orthodox role. Yeah. He doesn't fit that archetype at left back at six six. Definitely need someone more pacey there. I would say, uh, but yeah, I guess left back and uh, just depth in general. Yeah, I mean. Bruno Gimenez is probably their player of the season up there at Trivia, maybe a so. maybe a, a more proper, less injury prone winger as well. You don't run it back without Moron. Um, I don't know. I I, I think maybe you think, a, you think this season was his peak on, that seven game scoring streak. Yeah, yeah, I think it was overblown as well. So um, they do have Saint Max, so he's always out yeah, there. I, I think uh, maybe some more signings out wide, both offensively and defensively. Okay. Uh, speaking of teams that need signings, or more so clearing out, we have Man United losing to West Ham 1-0. Uh, West Ham getting a massive point, or massive three points at home over a team that nobody really thought they had a chance against, which drastically put them above the drop zone. Seven points clear. Another win this weekend would secure their placement in the league for another year. Uh, ben Rama getting the lone goal off an inexcusable error by David De Gea. Zach, what did you think of the United performance, uh, the lineup choice, and De Gea's error, which they keep piling up this year. He's having more errors. I mean, we can't seem to get any sort of good form going. Uh, and those blunders just... Uh, just hurt. I mean, I can't really say anything more than that. The, the lineup's going to keep changing as, as more guys keep coming back from uh, from injury. And, uh, you know, on, on the road, they've been struggling as of late. 
boys had to had to punish us here with a with a loss. That also hurt. Yeah, I don't know the record, but I think this is one of very few results he's picked up against his former club um, in United. Obviously, he was the predecessor, or he was the he took over for Ferguson as soon as he retired. But um, massive there for him um, on the lineup point for United. How important has the law, or how big of an impact has Ferran and? Martinez's absence been in this team having to play Lindelof and Luke Shaw at center back it's massive it, it would happen to any team you lose your two starting center backs you're you're gonna struggle it's as simple as that it, it doesn't matter the club do you think there would be a better better play in Maguire in there and then you get the attacking presence of Luke Shaw at left back rather than Malassia who we've seen it we've been seeing his inexperience show picking up yellow card after yellow card um and being exposed a bit do you think having shaw out there would help but with mcguire in the middle you always have that issue with the media constantly blasting you because he's a meme he's become a meme and you keep talking about these blunders you put mcguire in there you're going to be watching one every week probably so i guess the ultimate thing is just the depth of this team you guys yeah. obviously it's not ten hogs fault he just got here in the summer but they weren't able to he wasn't able to make any signings that's why the the well, last couple of guys he brought in were loans I think he has had time to bring in signings it's just he hasn't been able to replace the current guys Casemiro right. Casemiro excellent signing Anthony still I don't think there's a final verdict but he's had an impact um might be seeing one one or two more guys from Ajax in the summer, I think. Yeah, obviously. I think that um, Timber is definitely up there. Uh, he was trying to bring him in this year, but Martinez came instead. Um, who else? Sabitzer on loan. Um, yep. but he's just He's been all right. Not a ma- massive impact, but um, Garnacho on the scene. Not a signing, but academy guy. You always need a young academy guy in the team to to get the home fans going and um Veghorst, obviously he's a topic on his own do you think he should stop starting Veghorst? he plays him at at a eight behind rashford and similar to dan burn at left uh, back i don't think Veghorst stature and archetype fits the role that's needed there do you think bruno fernandez needs to be there and then just start sancho at left like why are we starting Veghorst? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I think it's a fitness thing. He's definitely better up top, but when Marcus is healthy, we got to have uh, we gotta have Rashford up top. I, I've liked Veghorst this year up top. I think he's been a, he's put in a great shift, and he's been one of the bright spots of the club in terms of just the energy he brings into this team, both sides of the ball. But... Would you sign yeah. him permanently at the end of the year? Or do you let him go back to Burnley, who are coming back into the Prem? I mean, it depends on uh, who else we bring in up top. I guess the ultimate thing is, if Rashford's not scoring, you guys aren't winning. Similar to Kane with Spurs and Tony with Brentford. If if, 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 he's, if he's not scoring, obviously he is... I think he's at 29 or 30 goals on the year, and the next closest is Bruno with like around half maybe a little less if he's not there you guys are struggling yeah 
Yeah, it's yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Need goals from Ashford this year, and when we don't get them, we don't win. Main thing they got to improve on for over the summer is the depth. And then uh, last thing before we move on, are you worried that top four might slip with Liverpool on hot form? And excuse me again, the the teams Liverpool have left compared to you guys is significantly easier. Um, next three they have is Leicester, Villa, Southampton compared to you guys with um, Chelsea. Who else do you guys have? Oh. Chelsea Wolves and Bournemouth. Those are your last. On oh, no, a year four, you got Wolves. Fulham in there at the end. Wolves, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Fulham. Yep, and then obviously an FA Cup final against City, start of June. Um, are you worried at all with Liverpool on your heels, or do you think they have enough to get across the line? Yeah, I'm worried. I mean, they, if they can't string any form together, they're definitely not going to finish top four at this rate. I mean, dropping a fifth uh, under Liverpool. And, and that, then at that uh, point, we're going to be on the Thursday-Sunday rotation yet again. Yeah, and that uh, that game in hand is against Chelsea. Need to, need to string a couple wins together or they're going to drop out. Yep, yep, pretty much. Okay. Um, and then we start moving into those crazy Monday games. Uh, the first being 5-3. Fulham over Leicester. Thankfully, I was off work and I watched all these games. Uh, it was absolute chaos every single game. It was incredible. Willian in the 10th, Carlos Vinicius in the 18th, Tom Kearney in the 44th, Tom Kearney again in the 51st. Then we got Leicester making a comeback with Harvey Barnes in the 59th, Willian again in the 70th. A missed penalty by Jamie Vardy in the 72nd minute or so. And then uh, another penalty for Leicester made by Madison in the 81st. And then Barnes in the 89th. Um, Leicester's defense was awful. They tried to build out of the back and looked lost. I saw Tillemans visibly upset and argumentative with the defense. Um, he's obviously leaving at the end of this year. I think his contract expires. Um, this team looked terrible. Everson and goal had a mare. Fulham played like they had nothing to lose. They were free flow. Willian, MVP. Uh, and then Tom Kearney with a brace starting for Pereira for the rest of the year. Obviously, he fractured his ankle, so club captain. And um, Burton Leno had a pretty good game other than the penalty he gave up, which he's still making dodgy, dodgy decisions. Um, I guess, what's your take on this game and both teams so far? Uh, I mean, you just mentioned that the defenses uh, struggled. Fulham with nothing to lose. I mean, I'm sure they were giving up a lot at the back as well. Just really back and forth game. Both teams stringing it all together. I mean, Leicester struggling more than Fulham this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they sit in a relegation after this game on 30 points tied with Leeds. So they got to get those defensive issues ironed out or they're going to struggle. I mean, they still got James Madison in the team. I think he's class. Uh, Harvey Barnes bag and a brace is great. They need they need to call on Vardy to have a have a one or two more parties to to save him here. 
I did mention he he had a penalty saved. I I yeah. saw because James Madison missed the one against Everton, which they drew two two. Would have been a massive three points for them. And Vardy stepped up here and he missed his. So we're having some issues there. We know Vardy is a banger when it comes to goals. He prior to this game he had two and two. He's been starting since he Iannaccio's out the remainder of the year over Daka. Um, yeah, this team's looking really lost. They, I don't know, it's just looking like they're a bit defeated now and don't really know what to do because they're, you mentioned Fulham's in 10th and Leicester's in 18th. We, preseason predictions, had these teams pretty much in reverse order from where they're at. Um, mere image of what we thought it would have been, so... Yeah, James Madison still looks class in every moment. He drags this team to get three goals, but they're letting up five, and the defense is abysmal. The center backs are awful. They've brought in so many defenders this year. Similar to Watford last year, they brought in like nine defenders and still couldn't keep a clean sheet ever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to go down at this point. I think, I think Leicester and Leeds are going to be the teams that go down. Um, we'll get to Everton and Forest next, but yeah, there's just not enough solidarity amongst the players, and I don't think Dean Smith's a good enough manager to get them out of this. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but no, I agree. I think uh, I think Lester will end up being one of the three that goes down, unfortunately, and. How big of a fire sale is there going to be at Leicester? Obviously, who are your top three guys you're taking from that team? I just said James Madison, uh, probably their most viable player. Telia Mans, their their midfield's just going to get gutted. They still have Ndidi in the squad, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. Harvey Barnes. I mean, you said pick three. I think those are my three that... uh. I mean, I think they make the most money off of those combined, T. Lehman's, uh, and Didi and Madison. Yeah, I still think the, I believe the number one, I mentioned this at the start of the year when we did the transfer roundup, the number one mistake they made was letting go Casper Schmeichel, the club captain, for a million pounds to Nice. Um, yeah, that threw me off when that happened. That was a long deadline day too. I mean, not having a Premier League goalkeeper with experience, you're, you're letting Danny Ward and Everson backups um respect to them but um I mean they're not Premier League quality starters yet or may never be and we've seen it with their defense they've given up the third third most goals now or fourth most along with Southampton they've given up 64 goals uh, it's not good enough okay do you have anything else on those guys uh, no, that's about it. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next one. Everton, five. Brighton, one. Um, wow. Right off the rip, what's your instant reaction when you saw this result? Or what was uh, your reaction? My mouth hit the floor. My jaw hit the floor. I've never thought I would ever see Everton put five in a game, especially against Brighton, the way Brighton's played this year. We saw Ducore in the first minute, Ducore in the 29th, an own goal by your boy Jason Steele, uh, Sunderland till I die. 
McNeil in the 76th, and then McNeil in the 95th. The only goal for Brighton came in the 79th for McAllister, which was a crazy goal in itself. Matoma off the crossbar, rebounded off McAllister, off his back, laying on the ground. I mean, it was a weird goal in itself, but three points for Everton on the road, getting their second ever win on the road this season. Massive Brazil gets them out of the bottom three, two points clear of Leicester, who are on 30. Going into a game against City at the Etihad, or I think is it at the Etihad? Am I right in that? Oh no, it's at Goodison, so even better for them. A team that plays pretty much similar to Brighton, the way they play. Massive possession, trying to gut you through the middle. The game plan was great from Everton. They just compacted the middle. They did not allow Brighton to go down the middle of the field through them. They forced them down the wings, which we could agree is their strong points at times with Matoma. Uh, March didn't start, but did come in halfway through the game. Deserby at halftime made four subs. He didn't give a fuck. He said, we're making changes now. You're not doing your job. Let's do it because we're losing our chance of finishing in the top four. And it didn't help. Um, even Sully March was cramping up, making a run back, trying to stop McNeil getting another goal. But, wow. Um, what, what In your wildest dream, could you ever see Everton getting this result? Uh, no. Definitely not. I mean, the going up early definitely helps. They're up 3-0 at halftime. I think this Brighton team doesn't have too much experience in terms of coming from behind yeah, uh, this season. Point. So I think that was a big factor that, that threw them off going down early. Uh, but Dwight McNeil and, and crew have been in great form, and this is just a, a fruit of their labor. And I think a result they're going to be looking back on when they eventually stay up. Yeah, this was uh, Everton's first win in... Eight games, I think that is. One, two, three. Yeah, eight games. They were an eight-game winless streak. They break that with a win at the Amex. Now they have to host Man City. Um, at best, we would think they're going to get a point, but they make it ran through. Um, DCL finally has been playing and has been a massive difference maker. He His movement off the ball, his little flicks and dummies beating defenders, he makes such a big positive impact for this club. If you could get a full season of him fit, I mean, they would be mid-table easily. Without a doubt. Yeah, because when they bring in Neil Maupai and they played Ellis Sims, I mean, those guys do absolutely nothing up there. He's played Demar Gray up there for a little bit, who isn't a number nine, obviously, but they don't come close to what DCL has done. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Brighton have really been struggling. That's another loss after um, two straight wins over United and Wolves. That six 0 whopping. Now they've gotten a reality check, and they need to re they need they need to use these games in hand to their advantage. They played the least amount of games, thirty three. Liverpool and Tottenham above them have played two more. If Brighton win their next two in hand or win their two in hand, they'll be on sixty one points. Uh, they're firmly in sixth place at that. So. I think Europa League is the target. I don't think they have any chance of top four unless they went out, right? Or do, or do you think something could change? 
with Everton making Brighton. it? No, we're talking or about Brighton. Brighton getting top four. Uh, getting top four, I don't think so. I mean, I, I hope they, they finish in a European spot because I think they deserve it after this year. Yeah. Top four, I don't think so, though. Yeah, there was a time there where they did have a good shout, but now they're dropping too many points. Yeah. Um, speaking of dropping points, Southampton and Forest in a massive six-pointer. Nottingham Forest, four. Southampton, three. We saw a goal in the 18th and the 21st, both from Awanyi. 25th minute, Alcarez makes a, a, a goal to half the deficit. Gibbs White on a pen in the 44th. Lianco in the 51st, dragging Southampton back into it. And then the, the dagger in the 73rd, Danilo. Great assist from Morgan Gibbs White. Little Croy flick. Uh, and then Ward Prowse in the 95th got a penalty goal as a consolation. Um, unfortunately, was on my bench for fantasy. Really debating whether to play him or not this week. But nobody cares about that. But this game, does this loss secure Southampton? In the rel- it, it, does this lock them in going down? Uh, yeah, I think it almost certainly does. They're I mean, mathematically, seven, they're not. Back. They're eight back. If they win out and all the teams above them lose the rest of the games, they're good. No, it's uh, it's all but over at this point for them, I, I think. They had to win this game. Yeah, you're right. Um, what do you think the downfall, if you had to point to it one reason... Obviously, there's a lot, but what's one big reason you think sticks out that's been a, a failure this year on their part? Uh, defense. Lining up too many goals, I think. Uh, they they gave up over 60, and there's only five teams that have done that, three of which are in relegation. So immediately I would point towards the defense and then, I mean, they don't they they don't score enough, and they and they give up too many. It's just the goals for goals against uh, so, in terms of on paper. Looking at the looking at the table, I guess besides the numbers aspect, do you think maybe recruitment went into it? This was a big year that they focused on starting a lot of young players. They had Gavin Bazunu from Man City, with no Premier League experience. Last year, he played League One. He started the majority of the year, had a lot of errors. We've seen. Uh, Lavia in the middle, another Man City product. He's had a great year, um, as well as we saw that uh, Abozi, another Man City product in this team. They had a lot of young guys in this team this year, starting a lot of games. Do you think the the idea of playing a lot of youth was an issue for them, or or, or, or no? Do you think that's the right way to go? We know Southampton are a feeder club if you want to put it that way they've they've created a lot of good talent for the bigger teams over the last decade yeah i I think it's a bit of that i think it's putting them onto the field too quick uh or too soon uh maybe they weren't they weren't uh ready for prime time so to say but uh maybe it goes on to managerial side as well because they didn't have uh they've had three managers this year consistent manager throughout the year and seen how that went for other clubs uh just like chelsea Arguably so, the, the worst manager signing in Nathan Jones from Luton Town. He was there for two months. Yeah, so so a bit of both in terms of players uh, and managers. All right, and then on the other side, we've seen Steve Cooper, the ugliest manager in the league. Um, <laughs> he, they've stuck by him to his credit. They've stuck by him 
the whole season, even when they were in the relegation zone, even when they've been in danger the entire year, they've stuck by him after last year, getting them promoted, and he's given back to them. They've gotten two wins in their last three. They have a, on on the face of it, you're thinking they don't have a chance against Chelsea, but a, a matchup they can definitely get a point in that could make a difference in keeping them up. Yeah, they uh, they stuck by him. I think uh, that has done wonders for them in terms of... Uh, 30, 30 new players this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's done a lot for him this year in terms of keeping faith. It all, time will tell uh, if they stay up or not. I think they will just barely stay up. And between all the new players, there have been uh, some that have shown their, shown their value. I mean, the most... Expensive one, Morgan Gibbs White, I think, has been great for him this year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm looking. You know, at they him. they've definitely got uh, some great support from the fans as well. Great, great culture. Really bring that word up a lot. But you know, you see them at home, and they look, uh, they look like they could be pretty formidable to play at home if they get their legs under them. Yeah, and playing at home has been the reason they've been they're in this position um if not they'd be right where southampton is but they're on the road 17 games on the road they've lost 13 of them only one win they've only scored eight goals on the road this year um so um they have three games left and i'm looking i'm not i don't know if how many are at home but uh out of their last three games they only have one game at home and it's against arsenal so Chelsea next, then they play Arsenal, they end the year against Palace. Just like Leeds um, and Everton and Leicester, I think it's going to come down to that last game of the season. Yeah. It's either going to be rejoice or, or heartbreak. Yeah, which as a neutral is great to see. Four teams fighting for two spots of safety. I mean, this is stuff you'd love to see as a neutral, but for those clubs, if you're a fan of, I mean, it's your your heart's going to fall out of your chest. Yes. And uh, last thing, um, what what you had some? No, no, uh, you go ahead. Last thing before we move on to our predictions, um, Jesse Lingard, where is he? Where is he? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's too busy playing his flute in the locker room. I have no idea. He was paid a massive contract at the start of the season for a one-year deal, and has made no impact on this team. Yeah, I mean, 30 signings, you got to imagine they're not all going to be out there the whole year. Yeah, but, I mean, he last year we saw, I think it was last year, the year before at least, that his time at West Ham, we saw how much of an impact he can make. And we, we he's been a Man United boy from the start and has had great moments with them, but couldn't ever get an, make an impact on this team. Um, I don't think it's all his fault. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, obviously, I know that from Chelsea, having too many players in the locker room and there's no consistency in your play, but in your playing time at that. But having all that experience and not really using it to guide guys, um, obviously, I'm not in the locker room, so he could be doing this. But still, I mean, I would think you pay him all that money, he should be playing more. Yeah, uh, I don't really have too much to add on that. I, I just, uh, just think it's. Too many players. Yeah. Okay. 
If you don't have anything else, we can move on to the predictions for this week's slate of games. It is a, what is it, the Saturday, Sunday, and then there's one game on Monday. So another normal week, and then things will get crazy from there. Um, starting off, we have Leeds against Newcastle. Um, I have Evan's picks as well, so I'll be saying those too. He gave them to me because um, if you guys haven't listened to his portion of this of this episode, head over there and hear what he had to think of this past week's games like we just talked about um, for the past hour. Um, head over there. It's a little quick 20-minute episode. You'll love it. Um, Lee's Newcastle, Zach, where do you go? Um, who's the home team in this one? This is Leeds' first home game under Big Sam. Their first home game hosting Newcastle? Oof. That's New- a tough result. I, I, I'm i pretty torn. To, uh, they tied earlier in the year. That was on New Year's Eve. I think it'll be another tie. Starting off boring. Really? What makes you say a tie? I think Newcastle what was their last result? They they didn't even score against Arsenal at home. I think that's going to get to them a little bit here and I think Leeds is going to Leeds new new structure is going to be something challenging for for Eddie Howe to to get the to get the boys ready for. And I think Sam will will get another point in this one. Okay, I asked that because I also have a draw. Um, I think Big Sam does something here. I give him some magic, but obviously the odds are going to be in Newcastle's favor, which yeah. Evan agrees with. He's taking Newcastle. Next, we have Southampton Fulham. Southampton are home. Anything but a win confirms relegation. What What do you say? Fulham have nothing to play for other than pride and finishing as high as they can in the table. Um, I guess some big motivation before you make your pick is they could be the highest West London team in the league. Brighton, or Brentford, Fulham, and Chelsea are all right next to each other, so they, they might want to try to be the best West London team if that's any motivation for them. Yeah, I think they're just they're playing clearly. They're just playing better, better uh, at the moment. Oh. I'm just going to go with... What's up? This is Mitrovic's first game back after his eight-match band as well. Yeah, I'm just siding with Fulham here and uh, some some ringing out booze from the Southampton crowd. Yeah, I, I'm going to Fulham as well. Evans taking a draw. Uh, next, we have Chelsea hosting Forest. Now, at first, I had I have a draw. I want to stick with my draw, but Forest on the road have been terrible. The only reason I have a draw is because Chelsea or Chelsea this year, as of this year, Chelsea or Chelsea, and Forest just have something to play for, and a point could do wonders for them. So I think I'm going to stick with a draw. Evan's going with Chelsea. What are you saying? Chelsea hosting Forest. I am siding with Chelsea at home. Okay. All right. I mean, at this point, I'm just trying to change things up for my record. I don't know. I just want to get a positive, one more positive week before the year ends because it's looking like, it's looking like I'm going to finish like last year around the same record, that type of area. So, um, I think you're the only one that's going to have a chance of finishing above 500. Um, next we have, who do we have next? We have Villa hosting Spurs. What do you say? 
I will go with Villa at home here. Okay. You think this is Watkins' game? He hasn't scored in the last couple, I believe. Yeah. I mean, if Villa win, uh, they'll probably get a goal from him here. Yeah, two, was it two, three, um, I think it's four, four straight games, five straight games he hasn't scored, so he's definitely due, um, yeah, he hasn't scored since that 3-0 win over Newcastle, so, um, yeah, I'm back in Spurs here, I'm going the opposite, I like how they play under Ryan Mason. They have more juice. He's obviously a younger guy. He's in his early 30s, and he's a Tottenham guy, loyal. He he wants to be there. He loves the club, and I think he gets the win out of out of the out of the boys here. And Evans gonna go with the draw. Um, next we have United hosting Wolves. I am taking a draw, and Evan is taking United. What about you? How are the Red Devils this weekend? Uh, we're at home. I gotta, I gotta side with my boys here, taking United. Um, what would be your ideal lineup here? I guess. Um, kind of putting you on the spot, but whatever our our best lineup is. I mean, uh, Rashford up top, Bruno behind him, wingers. Does Vout make the lineup? I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on the team I, I or believe, whoever we're playing. I believe Garnacho's back from his injury. Yeah, if Garnacho's healthy, I think he, he comes in off the bench in this one. Uh, I don't know if yeah, he's back. horse to start again. Yeah, he's back. Uh, the only guys you're missing are obviously the center backs and McTominay. Everybody else is fit. All right. You're taking United still? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the last Saturday game, we have Palace hosting Bournemouth. Both teams are safe. Nothing really to play for. Just going out there for the boys and letting it hang. Uh, I'm going to back Palace, back in the culture. Uh, Evan's also backing his second club. What are you doing? Which fixture is this again? Palace, Bournemouth. Palace are home. Two losses in their last three. Um... Bournemouth, uh, they have, they're coming off that loss against Chelsea, but have two big results over Southampton and, and Leeds. Yeah, I'll take Palace at home here. Okay. Okay. And then Sunday, we have the first one that we have is Everton hosting Man City. I'm taking Man City. Evan is taking a draw. That is his Arsenal side of things, though. He wants a result. He's trying to, well, he's trying to uh, manifest it. Yeah. yeah, they they tied on uh, New Year's Eve. Yep, they the, did. The reverse result. Yep, I remember that. Damari Gray hit a banger, cut inside. That they got the one-one draw at the Etihad. So, it, yeah. it, we we know it's possible. So it's it's hard to pick against City, though. I'm I'm sticking with City. It is at Goodison Park. It's a small crowd, or it's a small. Um, not a small crowd, but the, the fans are right on the pitch. So I definitely think that's going to be an X factor, especially um, the first 10, 15 minutes. I'm sticking with City, and if Grealish gets in this game, he's going to get a lot of heat, and he's going to love it. Yeah, he's he's always loves to play the villain, and he plays it well. Um, next, we have Brentford hosting West Ham. Uh, Brentford, 
similar to Fulham, maybe play for the best West London team. Could finish top seven, get in Europe. West Ham, any result here could secure their their safety. I'm, I'm leaning more towards Brentford. Brentford have been wishy-washy over the last couple of weeks, um, getting that loss to Liverpool. But they are a hard team to beat, and when they're at home, it's pretty tough. So this is going to be a very... This is going to be a brutal game. Both teams are very physical, big lads. Um, both set-piece heavy fo- are heavily focused on set-pieces, so we could see a lot of cards here. Um, but I'm going to back the Bs. Yeah, I think this will be one of those chippy games, back and forth, pretty slow. Might be a bit boring to watch uh, at times, but I think Brentford will get it done. Yeah, and Evan's taking a draw as well. And, uh, oh yeah, on the team team records, you're, you've past Evan. Evan's the worst with Brentford now. So, uh-huh. if that's any consolation. Obviously, three I'll weeks t- left. I'll take it. Um, I think I'll get them right again this week here. Yep. Two games left. Arsenal hosting Brighton. I'm taking Arsenal. Evan also with Arsenal. Uh, I mean, it's tough to pick against Arsenal at home. But, you know, I'm going to give Brighton a bit of credit here. I'm going to give them a point. I'll take a draw. Arsenal have 13 out of 17 or have won 13 out of 17 games at home this year, only one defeat. Brighton are the fourth best team on the road this year, picking up thir- uh, 25 out of a possible 48 points, I think. So they do reasonably well on the road. So you're taking a I draw? Can, yeah, I, and, and with that draw, I can definitely see uh, a lot of heat from the sidelines from both managers. Maybe a managerial ejection in this one. Maybe okay. double. Oh, I definitely like that. Both of these guys are definitely going to get in each other's face. They're Arteta and uh, Deserby. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're both going to get heated in this one. Yeah. Hopefully it's warm because Deserby's been wearing like a vest, like a puffed vest with like a, a uh, fleece underneath. He wears it to every game. I want to know what he wears other than that. Cause you want to see the rest of the wardrobe? He wears the same thing to every game. Um, maybe it's a luck thing. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, anything but a win Kurt really hurts Arsenal and pretty much decides City's win, um, depending on if they beat Everton. And then the last game we got Leicester hosting Liverpool. I'm taking Liverpool. Evan is as well. Uh, Liverpool away are very bad, um, but Leicester at home are terrible as well. They're the second worst uh, team at home this year only picking up 16 out of 51 possible points which is relegation form um, and playing a Liverpool team that's hot in form and with Trent in the middle is going to be a massive issue for that back line yeah I can't look at any of the last results past the last five here but the last two times Leicester hosted Liverpool they won the Leicester that is uh, not sure how that'll go this time around. I mean, Liverpool's in great form. They've won their last five. Leicester's defense has been pitiful, to say the least. So I think it's hard to pick against Liverpool here, and I'm going to go with them. I think uh, Mo Salah might bag another one from the spot here. Yeah. After he's he's missed his last two penalties, I think, right? But uh, I think he, he made his he made his most recent one. He, he made his one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, I'm going Liverpool here. Yeah, he's had his issues, but he's back. He's made his last one. Uh, Leicester, They're going to put the pressure on United. Yeah, I think that's going to be a 
the rest of the season. I think I really think Liverpool's going to win out. Um, Leicester only one win in their last thirteen as well in the league. So, um, but this is a this is a red button. They need something here, and I think they definitely can with Liverpool's squeaky back line. I definitely think this could be like a three two four three game. I definitely am hitting the over button on this one. So um, that's all the games we're going to do this week. The next couple episodes are going to be pretty hectic because there's a lot of makeup games midweek. So things are going to get stretched out. But uh, an hour and 16 minutes plus Evans is a normal hour and a half for the full thing. Uh, Zach, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. We already talked. Uh, you're going to come for that last last episode of the season. Yep. Uh, probably a postseason one where we, do, uh, we talk about the uh, records and our uh, season recaps and what we thought of each team. So looking forward to that and getting into the summer and closing out the book there. But um, we'll enjoy every game that's left. It's going to be sad come the summer, those eight weeks without the Prem. Um, what is it, eight? I think it's eight weeks, right? Eight to eight, ten weeks. Um, but it'll be coming right back around the corner. And uh, as I mentioned, head over and listen to part one with Evan. Uh, if you haven't, it's a short, quick one on his thoughts of the week and then uh next week we should be back both of us together uh for a normal episode so uh follow us on our socials at post 20 pod um follow us on our street all the streaming platforms you guys are listening on soundcloud spotify apple podcasts and uh we'll talk to you next time okay see you